0: Good afternoon. Thank you for joining Atlassian's Earnings Conference Call for the second quarter of fiscal year 2022. As a reminder, this conference call is being recorded and will be available for replay from the Investor Relations section of Atlassian's website following this call. I will now hand the call over to Martin Lamb, Atlassian's Head of Investor Relations.
1: Welcome to Atlassian's second quarter of fiscal year 2022 earnings call. Thank you for joining us today. On the call today, we have Atlassian's co-founders and co-CEOs, Scott Farquhar and Mike Cannon-Brooks, our Chief Financial Officer, James Beer, and our Chief Revenue Officer, Cameron Deutch. Earlier today, we published a shareholder letter and press release with our financial results and commentary for our second quarter fiscal year 2022. The shareholder letter is available on Atlassian's Work Life blog and the Investor Relations section of our website where you will also find other earnings-related materials, including the earnings release, press release and supplemental investor data sheet. As always, our shareholder letter contains management, insight, and commentary for the quarter. So during the call today, we'll have brief opening remarks and then focus the rest of our time on Q&A. This call will include forward-looking statements. Forward-looking statements include known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and other factors that may cause actual results, performance, or achievements to be materially different from any future results, performance, or achievements expressed or implied by the forward-looking statements. You should not rely upon forward-looking statements as predictions of future events. Forward-looking statements represent our management's beliefs and assumptions only as of the date such statements are made. We assume no obligation to update or revise such statements should they change or cease to be current. Further information on these and other factors that could affect the company's financial results is included in filings we make with the Securities and Exchange Commission from time to time, including the section titled Risk Factors in our most recent Form 20F and Quarterly Form 6K. During today's call, we will also discuss non-IFRS financial measures. These non-IFRS financial measures are in addition to and not a substitute for our uh, for or superior to measures of financial performance prepared in accordance with IFRS. The reconciliation between IFRS and non-IFRS financial measures is available in our shareholder letter, earnings release, and investor data sheet on our IR website. During Q&A, please ask your full question up front so that we can be fair and be able to accommodate the next speaker. With that, I'll turn the call over to Scott for opening remarks.
2: Thank you for joining us today. Happy New Year to everyone. Q2 was another strong quarter as we continue to see great momentum. It's extremely encouraging to see many of our past long-term investments reflected in our Q2 results. The Atlassian marketplace, which we started in 2012, recently surpassed $2 billion in lifetime sales. Cloud apps now make up nearly half of all marketplace apps, and the rate at which customers are adopting cloud apps is outpacing our own cloud products. It's exciting to see our ecosystem grow at such a rapid pace and for us to be able to expand the economy around it last year. IT was an area we were committed to doubling down on three years ago. Recently, Jira Service Management was recognised as a leader in the Forrester Enterprise Service Management wave, with our strategy for ESM receiving the highest possible score. We also recently added Percept.ai to bring AI-powered virtual agent technology to expand JSM's frontline support capabilities. Our continued investment and innovation in our cloud platform are driving great results. This quarter we added more than 10,000 net new customers, nearly all landing in cloud, and quarterly cloud revenue grew 58% year-over-year. As you've already read in our shareholder letter, we're looking forward and laser-focused on investing in the future. Hiring is our top priority. We deeply believe in the massive market opportunity in front of us, and investing in people is our path to seize these opportunities. Lastly, we hope you can join us for Team 22 in April. We're cautiously optimistic to be back in person with our customers and partners. And we hope to see many of you there, but we're thrilled to also be able to host viewing parties around the globe and offer virtual options as well. With that, I'll pass the call to the operator for Q&A.
0: Thank you. As a reminder to ask a question, just press star and then the number one on your telephone keypad. And to remove yourself from the queue, please press the pound key you pause for a moment for the roster of Q&A our first question comes from the line of Alex again from Wolf Research sir your line is open
3: hey guys congratulations on on a another just wonderful quarter I guess maybe for me How should we think about the results relative to your internal plan? And and what were the two biggest areas that that outperformed your expectations? And if you can, any bottlenecks to growth at the moment? And how are those different than maybe this time a year ago?
4: Well, thanks uh, for the question. You know, I start off by saying I was really pleased with the performance against our our plans, really, right across the board. You, You see very strong. Performance in both the cloud and data center businesses. Uh, you know, I, if I were to pick out one product, it would be JSM. I think that's just uh, really hitting uh, the mark with customers. Uh, a big opportunity for us uh, going forward. Uh, that has, uh, of course, given us the confidence to raise our full-year subscription revenue guidance uh, to around 50%. That's that's up from the. Uh, the mid forties percent that we were talking about 90 days ago. Uh, and the other thing I would really highlight is I feel we're very much on track with our migrations timeline. So, you know, pleased by that. Uh, in terms of the last part of your question, uh, yeah, you know, I see demand uh, continuing to be strong, uh, for both the cloud and data center businesses. uh, uh I don't uh, see bottlenecks there, uh, in the future. You know, one of the other things I'm sure we'll talk more about this is the continual progress we have with uh, in increasing the capabilities of our cloud quarter by quarter. And as we do that, obviously more and more of our uh, currently behind the firewall customers are able to uh, move over to the cloud. It's clear that they want to go in that direction, and increasingly each quarter we're making that possible. So uh, uh, we feel good about the opportunities in front of us.
0: Thank you. The next question comes from the line of Nikolai Believ from Goldman Sachs. Sir, your line is open.
3: Hi. Thanks for taking my question. James, one for you. When will we start seeing the migration impact from server and data center to cloud in the numbers as the loyalty discounts uh, unwind over time? Are we talking maybe a year from now, two years from now? And as as, as a follow up to the team in general, as you move to the cloud, your pricing really is changing and you started the company probably 20 plus years ago with, with a business model oriented around very low price compared to the competitors. And now, for example, Jira Premium is 15 bucks and enterprise probably a little bit higher approaching the pricing of competitors. So I would think that's kind of major shift in strategy here. Uh, and how is that reflecting in the business model and, and the path of the company going going forward in, in light of that context? Thank you.
4: Well, Nikolai, uh, let me start uh, the answer there. In terms of the impact from migrations, uh, what we're saying is that for fiscal 22, so for the full year, uh, we would expect migrations to be driving uh, mid to high, single-digit growth in in our revenue year over year. So you can contrast that, of course, to what I was just uh, uh, pointing out there in terms of uh, our expectation of around 50% growth for subscription revenue in fiscal 22. Uh, And then I would add that in the quarter just past, Q2, uh, it was a very similar sort of figure uh, mid to high single digit type contribution, uh, to the growth rate that we recorded in, uh, in Q2. So that 64% subscription revenue growth, uh, of Q2, uh, about mid to high single digits coming from uh, migrations. Um, just a, a couple of other things I would add, you referenced in your question, uh, their loyalty discounts. So today, uh, and until the end of June, uh, somebody moving over to the cloud from, uh, either server or data center, they would receive a 40% uh, discount. Now, once we get into July, uh, in a few months time here, uh, that discount will halve down to 20%. Uh, so that's important to remember. Uh, the other thing I'd say is that when a customer uh, migrates over to the cloud, of course, in the period that they make that migration, uh, that's a very modest impact uh, on our revenue. Um, obviously, uh, the cloud business is uh, recognized rateably in terms of the accounting. Uh, so those are the, uh, the three points to, to keep in mind.
2: I'll add just on, on the back of uh, James around uh, sort of our price philosophy that we've talked about, you know, and I just want to say there's no change to our pricing philosophy and hasn't really over the 20 years we've been running at last year we've always priced the volume and we've talked about reaching the fortune 500,000 and, you know, reaching millions of people around the world and, and that's what we've always priced for and so, you know, what you've seen sort of in terms of how that, that's manifested in our kind of list prices over the years is we've made it cheaper at the low end consistently uh, by making it more free um, over time. And we've also captured more uh, value at the higher end, where we're providing, you know, more and more value for our largest of customers. Um, and, of course, as, you know, the, the cloud uh, provides more value for customers, we take a lot of the management uh, overhead away from customers. We're providing the hardware, and so um, our customers are happy for, you know, to give us those responsibilities. And so I don't see there being any real change to our our pricing uh, philosophy, and I'd continue to see us do more free to low end and and more optimization at the high end as we deliver more value over time.
0: Thank you. The next question comes from the line of Michael Turin from Wells Fargo. Sir, your line is open.
3: Hey there. Uh, Thanks and congrats for me as well. An impressive Set of results here. Uh, some some of the commentary around ITSM and Jira Service Management stands out in the shareholder materials. You even have Cameron picking a favorite, which I'm sure isn't easy. Maybe maybe you can speak to what's driving the momentum there, how that's impacting the model, where where that might be showing up, and maybe what makes Jira Service Management the right product at the right time, as as
1: you reference in the customer section. Thank you.
2: Yeah, Scott here. I'll I'll take that one. Um, look, uh, Service Management is like uniquely positioned to handle the convergence of developers and IT. And we're seeing in the market these days that IT is no longer an island over by themselves. It's no longer upgrading things that were handed on a CD uh, over a weekend and taking people down. Developers and IT are working hand in hand to, uh, you know, transform their organizations. And, uh, there's no other vendor out there that has that sort of unique position of bringing dev and IT together. And the second aspect is we're the only company that allows us to, you know, that can handle the Fortune 500 all the way to the, you know, Fortune 500,000, as we've talked about. And that comes from a, you know, deep focus on the end user experience, like, which is, uh, you know, which we've delivered on, you know, across our product range for for multi-decades at the moment. And bringing that to IT has seen a lot of uh, value there. And, you know, you've seen us Say we're going to invest in ITSM, you know, three years ago when you've seen a consistent drumbeat of innovation. Um, you know, we've done some acquisitions to add functionality, but most of it's been uh, in-house innovation and building up the feature set across our entire product range. And so we're, you know, we're super excited that that's being recognised by, um, you know, analysts out there, which is great, um, but more importantly, being recognised by our customers who are adopting it in, in droves. And so um, pleasantly surprised, I mean, was our plan Three years ago to do this, and uh, um, you know, and because we've got a great platform, we've been able to move relatively quickly in delivering all the value to our customers, and so uh, we expect the ITSM to, and to continue to grow into the future.
0: Thank you. The next question comes from the line of Keith Weiss with Morgan Stanley. Sir, your line is open.
3: Excellent. Thank you, guys, for taking uh, the question, and congratulations on another really really nice quarter. Uh, I wanted to ask about two of probably in a quarter full of a a lot of eye-popping numbers, uh, two of the numbers that really stood out to me. Um, One was data center seeing another acceleration in growth to 83%. Um, Anything kind of one time in nature we should be aware of in that that number? I know there's a tough comp coming in Q3, so we're not likely to see that growth, but actually think about what drove that acceleration. Um, And two, um, there was a comment about uh, channel partner um, uh, revenue growth accelerating, I think it was 130% growth uh, year on year. Anything in particular um, changing in that program uh, that caused that acceleration? And if you give us some type of sense, does that become a mo- more material channel? Is that is that starting to move the needle a little bit more for the broader Atlassian
2: uh, distribution strategy?
3: Well, thanks for the question. So this is Cameron here. And uh, as far as the data center demand, the best way to look at that is it's just showing further commitment from our customer base into the Alaskan ecosystem and also the highlights, the mission criticality of our applications. As we continue to say that, that that migration to cloud is a multi-year journey. Different customers are on different stages of that journey and in that path to data center for all, for many of them is a step towards cloud. All of them are well aware that cloud, you know, our investments in cloud are a strategy around cloud and that cloud is in their future, but they're at all different levels of maturity of when they're able to, to move over. Uh, but the reality is, if you look to the last quarter, one third of our cloud migrations came from data center customers. So we have proven that we can take the data center customer base to the cloud. Um, the second ones around our solution partners and our channel, uh, which are just absolutely critical to our overall efficient go-to-market model that we have. Everything we do directly with my teams in marketing and sales and customer success gets amplified with our hundreds of solution partners out there in the market. Um, and obviously, as you see in the numbers, the solution partners have been increasingly critical to our cloud migration process. Uh, the reality is now we provide a variety of incredible self-serve migration tooling for customers to move to the cloud. But many of our customers want help uh, from you know planning out the, the migration to managing the migration itself and partnering with Atlassian. And uh, that has allowed for us to continue to show great growth. Um, in general, for large customers, when I'm talking to them, the first thing I say is, hey, which partners are you working with? Who can we partner with to build this plan out hand-in-hand hand going forward?
4: And let me just add on to the first part of, of Cameron's answer there. In terms of data center growth, um, a couple of things also to remember in terms of, uh, Keith, you referred to something like a one-time nature. Um, I think about the rev-rec. Uh Remember that a portion of uh, the data center activity that we would contract with a, a customer is taken upfront, uh, so that's quite different to our, our cloud revenue accounting, which is fully rateable. Uh, and then the other thing I just point out: uh, recall we raised prices uh, uh, around this time last year uh, on the data center. The full effect of that is now flowing through, and so. Uh, Both those things give a little extra fuel uh, to the uh, inherent demand that uh, Cameron is referring to for data center.
0: Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Fred Havmeyer with Macquarie. Sir, your line is open.
3: Hey, thank you very much and congratulations on another really impressive quarter here. I wanted to ask, uh, you know, from your perspective, how does the hiring landscape for top-tier talent, how is that evolving at this point? You know, you mentioned throughout your investor letter that your hybrid work policies have been a strategic differentiator for your hiring practices. Now, you you know, in addition to just offering hybrid or remote work options, are you seeing anything out there to suggest that top talent is now weighing either compensation packages or stock comp
1: packages any differently in this more volatile environment, potentially favoring companies like Atlassian? Thanks,
2: Fred. This Scott. Scott. here. here. Um, look, uh, we've, uh, we've been really happy with our Team Anywhere policy, like that uh, to allow people to, uh, you know, to work wherever they want. With that's in an office, that's great, although that's been a little harder through the pandemic um, and, uh, you know, or wherever we have the legal right to employ them. So we have seen a lot of our employees, you know, um, our new employees are working Remote from existing offices and we've seen, you know, existing employees, uh, move it as well. So that's, that's really great. We think that's going to be a long-term differentiator for Atlassian. And, uh, you know, I think that's uh, going to be difficult for, for companies that don't have similar policies to attract and retain the, the best talent. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, compensation, uh, you know, we have seen, you know, some minor, you know, upticks in, in compensation. Um, we, we're early to that, I guess, uh, ahead of many of sort of peer companies who I guess have waited to see attrition uh, tick up before they address the thing. And uh, so we're really proud with how we've worked on that with our employees. And uh, you know, there's been talk of the great resignation across, uh, you know, particularly North America, but uh, we haven't seen an uptick in the similar way that our our peers have seen an uptick uh, around that. Um, now, on the back of all that, um, you know, we are setting aggressive goals for hiring into the future. Like we think and, and see we have such great opportunities across all three of the markets that we have uh talked uh, to you at length about. Um and you know the way of going about that is uh building up our you know largely R and D functions to build out the products that's uh, needed to go after these uh, these large markets and uh you know so we're we're you know we, you'll see uh, an uptick in our investment over you know the coming uh quarters of the years and we think that's uh you know that, that's gonna pay off really well for us.
0: Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Steve Anders with Keyback. You may ask a question.
3: Okay, great. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the question here. Uh, I just want to ask about uh, Sri exiting as, as CTO. Uh, just want to get a bit of sense for what the kind of plans are to manage his
1: responsibilities uh, going forward and, and how the uh, the company is, is thinking about uh, that at this point.
2: Yeah, good, Steve, it's Mike, I can take that one. Um, look, Shree's obviously been an absolutely fantastic uh, leader in technology over the last six years. Um he's taken us into the cloud and then continue to build a, a truly world class cloud platform so we, we couldn't be happier with what he said. Um I've also his his superpower's been building high performance teams, uh building a great leadership team, so we're in an incredibly good situation in terms of engineering, um, broadly. Uh, obviously, we'll be uh, very sad to, to lose him as he moves on to uh, another phase in his life, which is understandable, but we will, um, uh, I have no doubt, we'll be able to find a more talent internally, externally. We're in an incredibly good position. We've, over the long term, had a clear philosophy on culture and building a sustainable company, and a part of that is about leadership transition and uh, uh, continuing to move forward in in all of our departments. And uh, I feel incredibly confident about where we are in uh, technology and engineering functions.
1: Perfect. Thanks for taking the question.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Keith with Bank of Montreal. Your line is open.
3: Many thanks. Um, James, I wanted to put this one to you, if I could. You announced pricing changes uh, that would be effective on Feb 15th for data center and server, and I wonder if you could characterize uh, what you think the impact has been or will be prior to the 15th um, for those pricing changes, see some pull-in of demand and or any characterization of of post uh, for those two particular areas on data center and server. Thank you.
4: Yeah, sure, Keith. Um At the end of the day, it is obviously the customer that makes the decision as to whether or not they're going to uh, early renew, uh, add to their, their investment with the, uh, last year and ahead of uh, uh, these price changes. So, so you know, we really uh, can't predict, you know, given the, the volume of customers that uh, uh, potentially have this offer available to them. Um, so, when you look at the price changes themselves that we announced uh, a few weeks back, uh, they vary by product, by user tier, which is very normal for us. Uh, I would, though, generally think of those as uh, approximately mid-teens percent type growth in in price uh, across server and data center, uh, and so you know I would expect that. Uh, uh, to begin flowing into our P&L uh, in the fourth quarter uh, in a more meaningful way. So um, uh, there may well be uh, some uh, uh, event-driven customer purchasing ahead of those price increases, as we saw uh, in Q3 of the last fiscal year. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, the customer really decides. And so this is why we've been talking uh, for some time now, uh, about a certain amount of variability in our financial model as uh, as our customers go on this journey from server to cloud.
0: Thank you. The next question comes from the line of Fatima Bolani with Citi. Your line is open. Thank you. Good afternoon, and thank you for taking my questions and get to telephonically meet you. Um, Jane, the question for you um, with respect to um, the concurrent acceleration that we've uh, seen in the cloud and data center business. Now, I was hoping you could put into context how, uh, you know, both those businesses can sort of enjoy this degree of concurrent acceleration, especially considering um, you had mentioned that about a a third of, of the cloud performance being attributable to data center migration so i'm just curious as to um you know if you can walk through some of the dynamics uh there and if you can also uh give us a frame of reference for um you know how much of that cloud performance in the prior quarters uh how much of that um, was driven by migrations from data center just so we have a frame of uh, context thank you sure uh
3: happy
4: to take that one um uh, let's start with, with migrations.
0: Um,
4: you, I mentioned a little earlier that uh, what we would expect, uh, and in fact what we saw in Q2, uh, was about a mid-to-high single-digit impact on our subscription revenue growth uh, from migrations. Uh, now, uh, important, though, uh, to, uh, to note that when we think about cloud migrations, um, then about a third of that activity is coming from data center. Uh, so, again, put in context, when you think about the growth rate of the businesses that we're recording, both cloud and data center, migrations are an important but relatively small part of the overall picture. So let's take a, a step back and really think about what are the, the key drivers for the cloud. Um, and I really point to uh, a handful of items beyond migrations. Uh, first of all, I think most importantly, we continue to do an excellent job of expanding our user accounts at our current cloud customers. Uh, you saw also in the, uh, the data, uh, we brought 10,000 new customers to the company. Uh, they're all effectively going to clouds. Uh, uh you know, we talked, uh, about the percentage. Uh, and once they're at the cloud, we're doing a very nice job of expanding user count. Uh, the second thing I'd really also highlight, uh, the growing impacts, uh, uh, that we're making, uh, with our customers on, uh, premium and enterprise editions. You know, this really goes to our overall additions strategy that starts with free, standard, then premium, then enterprise. And we've really got those four additions now uh, pretty much right across our portfolio, broad portfolio of products. And I think mean, that's a tremendously important driver with seeing customers really get incremental value as they step up that, that ladder, if you will, of of additions. Um and uh, then we've spoken now for several quarters about how pleased we've been at the relatively low churn levels and how we've really put effort into uh, minimizing that type of uh, uh, activity. So that's working nicely. Uh, and, of course, you saw uh, us roll out a, a, a mid single digit pricing increase uh, a, a few months ago now. And so – That relatively quickly uh, layers into the P&L when you think that the majority of our customers are on a monthly subscription. Uh, So those are really the important drivers that are driving the cloud business. Yes, migrations are a part of the story, uh, but there's certainly uh, I wanted to put that in context.
0: Thank you. The next question comes from the line of James Fish with Piper Sandler. Sir, your line is open.
3: Hey, guys. This is Quinton on for Jim. Thanks for taking our questions. Um, You know, customer additions this quarter were really strong again. Uh, Is this kind of 10,000 net ads the right level moving forward? Uh, or do we move back to more fiscal 20, fiscal 21 levels? And then, just as a quick follow up, um, what inning would you say that the education of channel partners is at with selling the cloud products? Are we at the bottom of the ninth inning with one or two legacy partners to go? Uh, or is there significant education left within the channel? Thank you.
4: Cameron, do you want to start off with that one? <laughs>
3: Sure. Um, yeah, as far as the – I can speak to both the new customer numbers as well as the uh, the, the innings of the ch- channel partners. Um, as far as the new customers, like, I have to call out just how incredible this machine that we built in go-to-market that we can routinely get 10,000-plus net new customers in the business while maintaining our efficient go-to-market spend. Uh, but in addition to that, i got to call out, you know, two years ago, we made that change to the free model. So in addition to 10,000 paying customers coming in, Yeah, with more than two users, we also have thousands of more teams and companies choosing us and using us in market uh, for free, and and that just shows like how much demand there is and why people are choosing us. Um, As far as the number itself, like it it fluctuates quarter to quarter for a variety of reasons, changes in the funnel, seasonality, you name it. So I I let's be focused on the individual quarter numbers and look at the longer term trend. You know, we've added over 51,000 customers over the last 12 months. Which when I started with this company like you know many years ago it was you know, we had a fraction of that of our overall customer base. So um we've just been able to continue evolve and make that efficient go to market model work. Um as far as innings being an Australian company, most of our Aussie friends don't understand what innings means. Um I'd hate to say which inning they're in. The reality is we continue to train, certify, partner with, you know, and engage our partners in these migrations. It's multi year journey. Some of the partners are well ahead, you know, and leading on migrations. Many of the other partners are going through these trainings and bringing people in. So plenty more to do there, but uh, I'll tell you that they are critical to our migration story uh, and our execution there. James? No, I
4: think you covered it. Thank you.
0: Thank you. The next question comes from the line of Arjun Batia with William Baer. Sir, your line is open.
3: Thank you,
2: uh, no, you,grats on the on the quarter. Um, I certainly, you know in the shareholder letter, it seemed like hiring was a, was a key area of focus. and um, I, I think you stated that you know building new products in the R and d org would be a priority as you as you scale uh, as you scale your developer talent. I, I'm curious if you can share any particular areas of focus um, that, that you have out in the market from a product perspective. Uh, that maybe is not addressed uh, by the by the product portfolio today. Um, I could take that. Yeah, I suppose it's a. It's a. Uh, uh, my mic and I'm sure will have thoughts as well. Um, look, if you with the three markets that we're operating in, like we're lucky to operate in markets that are very very large and you know we have different levels of maturity in each of those markets and underpinning you know our ability to go after these markets is the atlassian platform that we've spent over a uh, decade building out and so when i look at the investments we're we're making like you'd have to say they're in you know the areas of the three different markets we talked about there's the investments um, you know required to help our customers make those migrations across the cloud and continued investment in the platform that uh, that we've built out over those years and continue to build out. Um, And, you know, the benefits you're seeing, you know, come through, obviously, in migration numbers, um, but there are also benefits in our our ability to launch new products, as you've seen with point A, um, that we can bring and launch new products uh, to the market uh, pretty quickly. And so I wouldn't see there being, you know, huge changes uh, in that. Like, I think as the platform continues to mature, we'll be able to bring more functionality to the market uh, quicker. Um, You know, the ability for us to, because I mentioned earlier, ability across, um, uh, to work across, you know, dev and IT is, you know, I guess it's a bit like, uh, you know, chips and guacamole, right? They go hand in hand. Um, And, uh, you know, so that's like a unique ability that we have, uh, you know, to to do that. And, uh, of course, Work Management for All, built on a great platform for work, really unifies work across the entire organization. Again, something that we're uniquely positioned to do. So, Mike, do you have anything to yeah, I mean, I just wanted to, the, the question started in hiring, I guess, an ended market, so I'm not sure which, which angle you were trying to go on. Um, I think Scott's point about the platform is really key. Our platform, we believe, is one of our strengths in executing against the large opportunities that we believe we have in all of our markets and around the business and in the Alaskan economy. Building that platform takes a, a world-class engineering team and a world-class engineering team at very large scale So you see us making continued improvements and uh, things like Team Anywhere and our culture and pressing our long-term thinking as a business and also executing um, against those opportunities, right, and being clear that we are going to invest and we believe in those opportunities. At the core of that platform is a truly world-class engineering organisation. So if it's about where are we hiring, look, we we have a deep long-term belief that building a world-class technology company without engineering and R&D at the core is – to, skills, to steal Scott's analogies, it's all like making guacamole without putting avocados at the core. It just doesn't work. And you'll see that from some other companies, but we have a deep belief in engineering and R&D at the core of executing against the, the uh, huge opportunities that we have in front of us, and so that's why I try to tie those two together in your question.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Etai Kidron. With OpenHyper. Please ask your question.
3: Uh, uh, thanks guys and great, great numbers. I have a couple of questions. One on work management. You haven't talked much about that. Maybe you can give us a little bit more color on the progress there. Uh, maybe number of customers. You mentioned that on, on, on service management. Maybe you can mention that on work management. And then the second question, more of a general one regarding the customers that have transitioned to the cloud. Can you talk about the how the expansion
1: of activity of customers that migrate to the cloud is different than expansion activity of customers who remain on-premise?
2: Hey, yeah, uh, um, Look, I can take both of those. Firstly, on work management for all, um, the first thing I would say is the fact that we get this deep into the call and we talk about our huge opportunities in IT, we haven't mentioned agile DevOps and software teams or work management, I think that's an example of just the, the size and scale that Atlassian operates at now and, and the set of opportunities we have. We could spend an hour-plus talking about any of us that. Um, I would say we continue to be incredibly bullish on the work management space. Uh, we're doing uh, an incredibly good job with Trello and continuing to make that part of our platform, part of our set of offerings, whilst having a, a standalone flavour to it. Jira uh, Work Management continues to power along. It's a very new out of our point A program of, Innovation, but uh, adding a, a different flavour on project management, and uh, you know we're incredibly bullish on things like Team Central and other things coming out of uh, Point A as well at the same time. So I feel very comfortable with where we stand. Uh, we believe there'll be lots of different ways of attacking the broad work management problem, uh, and that's all before we even mention something like Confluence. So um, really excited about how that how that happens and how that continues to evolve. I will say. We talk a lot about digital transformation, changing software teams and IT teams. A big part of that is also a cultural transformation and how those software and IT teams work with the rest of the business. So yes, we have three different markets. We believe in all of them very deeply. They are tied together at the core of how every company is changing um, as a a software and technology base, but also changing culturally to be more dynamic and more agile. Um, And that's, that's why we're in those three markets. In terms of cloud expansion, it's, it's a pretty simple story, actually. The ease of adopting a second product in the cloud, our ability to understand what customers are using, and hence recommend other alternatives for them, either you should get more people in your team on board or you should try this other product, is, um, we can just do it a lot faster and easier, right? It's a single click in the cloud, nothing to install, nothing to try. Um, with free, you can quickly get 10 users started. So our Ability to help customers expand is just much higher in the cloud, and you see that in in greater and quicker expansion numbers of of customers. Um, We have to have the products to deliver that value, but our ability to help customers and guide them less friction uh, in the cloud is is just higher.
0: Our next question comes from the line of Rob Oliver with Baird. Please
3: ask your question. Great. Thank you. Good evening, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, James, you alerted, alluded to this earlier in your remarks, and Scott and Mike, I'd love, uh, love to hear your view. But you guys continue to knock down a lot of the global compliance standards that are out there that, you know, really are, I assume, are inhibitors to, to many large enterprises and governments really going, going wholesale into the cloud. So I'd love to hear a little bit about some of what you've seen in terms of as you knock those down, how that backlog has been converting, and then maybe some of the other um, global standards out there that you're excited about. Uh, You guys hinted in the letter that there's more to come imminently. Appreciate
2: it. Thank you very much. Yeah, good day, Rob. Look, for sure, it's part of our continued momentum. One of the... um, I hope you've all seen over time, that LASIN's just continued momentum and improvement, incremental improvement every single quarter. It's something we've done for just shy of 20 years now and will continue to do. Um, the area you've you've asked about in terms of cloud standards and compliance and governance and the whole sort of acronym soup that comes with that in every different geography in the world, we do believe is that that will continue to be a challenge for every SaaS company going forward as there are more companies, more geographies, more uh, uh, legal conditions And so we have to build a world-class engineering organisation and a platform underneath our cloud uh, products that allows us to quickly adapt to that market as it changes, that area as it changes, and also continue to add the standards that our customers need and ask us to support. Um, We've done that over time, and you continue to see us improving that every single quarter, whether it's data residency in Australia for financial companies or whether it's BaFin in Germany. Uh, We've continued to do that, and we'll continue to do that. Um, we've seen a lot of examples of every time we add uh, support for a different geography or standard, uh, we unlock a portion of our customer base to move to the cloud. It's not a singular unlock; it's it's a whole series of ingredients, but it just increases the overall momentum of customers to the cloud. Um, but for sure, we continue to work on you know performance and scale for the larger customers in the cloud. We continue to work on compliance and regulations and, and standards. Um, and, uh, we also continue to work on extensibility, which is equally important. Um, the reason I mentioned that last one is forge our, um, sort of future extensibility standard and, and technical framework, uh, build things like these compliance and regulatory standards in at the core, which is incredibly difficult to do. Um, but we believe in extensibility for our customers going forward. It's long been a hallmark of the last year. And I think in a, uh, higher compliance environment, that's going to be incredibly important for us going forward in the cloud. And we're seeing that in the adoption of by, Forge by those enterprise customers in the cloud uh, where it handles the, the regulatory standards for them.
0: Thank you. The next question comes from the line of DJ Hines with Catacord. Please ask your question.
3: Hey, guys. Uh, congrats on the continued success here. Um, I have a product question for Microscott, I, I presume. So there, there are a handful of visual collaboration tools in the market that are seeing, you know, really strong growth. I I, I know you guys recently invested in, in Miro. What is it about visual collaboration that makes it hard for
2: you to replicate? Like why invest or partner in that space versus doing it on your own? Yeah. Hi, man. I can, I can take that DJ. Um, look, we, We've long believed in, in having a broad spectrum of, uh, of opportunities and bets. Um, we're, with Atlassian Ventures, we're trying to make sure that we are investing and partnering in, in high-quality enterprise SaaS companies that are uh, uh, partners of Atlassian. Uh, you've seen us do that in the past with Zoom and Slack and others, uh, and more recently with Miro and Sneak and across our markets, as well as a whole host of, of smaller up-and-coming names. Um, visual collaboration in general, look, it's a, it's a very... Um, busy category, I would say, because it's such a broad, uh, option. It used to be called whiteboards, but it's not really a whiteboard. It's a whole series of different things that you can do there. It's a bit like saying there's one way to do project management. If you're a five person marketing team, you do project management utterly differently than if you're 5,000 engineers building a bridge. So project management is a very broad term. I would say it's the same thing for visual collaboration. It's a broad term. I think there'd be a lot of fantastic products in there. Um, and obviously, we, you know, we believe in, in the ones that we use and the ones that we've invested in. Um, but in general, our custom customer philosophy is being um, partnered and integrated with all of the best-of-breed SaaS products that are out there and allowing our customers to, to make those choices and just making sure that all the data they have in any Atlassian product is easily connected and uh, integrated with all the data they have in, in any other uh, product.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Brent Thiel with Jefferies. Please go ahead.
3: Thanks. Uh, on Trello, you've been pretty clear over $50 million on the platform, yet I think monetization is still low. Can you, can you walk through uh, how you, you expect to potentially change that over the next year or or, or maybe not? And and for James, uh, America's, at least in our model, looked like the best quarter in, in 13 quarters. I know that. The comp was a little easier, but anything stand out there in the Americas that uh, that perhaps you haven't seen in past quarters? Thanks,
2: Brian. I can take the first part on on Trello monetization. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have much new news for you, but I can repeat our stance here. I mean, Trello, we focused first on um, continuing to grow the 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 monsters, the size of Trello, right, and going after the Fortune 500,000. We think about very, very large scale, and there's a billion knowledge workers out there trying to do all sorts of different things that Trello is very, very useful for. Um, You've seen us continue to improve the product with views, um, smart cards to integrate third-party data, as we just talked about, and a whole series of continued product improvements. That said, we've gotten better at monetizing Trello almost every year that we've had it on the platform and and continue to do so. Uh, But I will say that we put um, usage before monetization when it comes to Trello. You see it getting closer to the Alassian platform in various different ways in terms of the Alassian account and identity and all sorts of different things. So, um, we very patient in, um, doing those things correctly and, um, continue to make Trello a, a, huge product that's beloved by its users. And, um, you know, we put that, put that first, but it's, uh, it's a, it's a pretty nice business for us and continue investment. In. James, I'll leave you the second. Yeah,
4: just follow up, uh, uh, on that. Uh, one of the things we've done around Trello pricing uh, has been to recently bring in a, a standard edition. And, again, this is an example. we talked about price increases at different points on this call. So it's a good example of where there are uh, many an occasion where we actually lower price, uh, again, to stimulate the sort of demand that Mike is referring to there. Uh, in terms of the Americas result, yes, it was a strong year-over-year growth rate for the Americas. Uh, I just point back to... Uh, one of my earlier comments about obviously data center had very strong growth uh, in the quarter, and, and we do have this uh, a portion of the customer commitment that is taken upfront uh, in terms of revenue in the quarter in which the uh, the customer signs with us. And of course, uh, the U.S., uh, the Americas, but particularly the U.S., uh, is home to you know a good number of our largest customers. So there's a certain amount of uh, uh, timing uh, effect there that uh, uh, made for a, a very strong American's year of year growth rate.
0: Thank you and the next question comes from the line of Greg Moskowitz of Mizuho. Your line is open.
1: Okay, thank you. Uh, I remember when you launched Atlassian Moskowitz, that was less than a decade ago and here we are at 2 billion lifetime sales. It's incredible my question here is: With cloud now comprising nearly half of the apps in the marketplace, and with safe rates continuing to be discounted as an additional incentive, are, are we sort of at a tipping point? In other words, are we at a stage where you're seeing app development and app usage really accelerate?
2: Yes, Scott. Here, um, okay. we're really proud of the marketplace. I remember. The plane ride where Mike uh, wrote the original code that went into the marketplace and uh, you know got us uh, got us off the ground and for us to get from there to two billion dollar lifetime time sales is is amazing and, and more importantly that's you know I've been, you know one and a half billion dollars of, of, of money that's gone back into the ecosystem right and we've got such a strong and powerful ecosystem around Atlassian and um, you know we've we've long uh, you know, for over a decade had goals around the ecosystem outside of Alaskan to be way larger than uh, Alaskan itself, both in terms of the, the number of people working on it and the revenue there. And so um, we're really, really proud about kind of the jobs and everything we've been created around Alaskan and how um, how we benefit, all of us benefit from that. Um, in terms of like uh, cloud and tipping point, um, obviously Forge, our app development platform in cloud, and takes care of all of things that developers used to have to do themselves, such as running their own servers, and um, now, you know, we take care of it for you, so that has lowered the barrier to entry for new people to build functionality uh, inside our applications, and you know, as we've seen, you know, kind of in our server-based applications, a lot of the early adopters of these uh, new technologies are people using it internally inside their own companies to integrate with different processes, to automate things themselves um to build ex, you know extra functionality that is unique to that particular company um, and that you know often then leads to people starting their own business um you know using those things and making them more generic or those things flow to our existing marketplace partners who are you know building out on the on the porsche capabilities so you know i think like longer term you know you've you've seen pressure on uh, marketplace take rates across you know kind of particularly in the consumer side uh, of things has been down with pressure on that and get to play that out over the long term you know i would say that uh, we will you know uh, the take rate will be more pressure on the take rate than they have been historically but that's also going to lead to a much 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 larger ecosystem uh built uh, around uh atlassian like and you know we're experimenting and seeing you know beyond our traditional partners how we can partner with people you know like that we've made investments in through us in ventures um, and you know overall like the, the number we focus on is not really our our take rate, like, you know, that, that's nice, but the, the the number we focus on internally is our sort of GMV or, you know, so effectively how much money is running through the marketplace, like, to our third parties, and, and that's the number we optimize for you know, internally.
0: Thank you. And our last question comes from the line of Steve Keenig with SMBC Nico. Your line is open.
2: Excuse me, and I appreciate it.
3: Um, most of my questions have been asked, but, uh, and actually let me also congratulate you on the quarter, also on the very low employee turnover metrics that we're seeing from LinkedIn, especially in sales. I, I just
2: think it's remarkable. Um,
3: I guess what I'll ask about, um, maybe a little
2: bit in the weeds, but, um, you know, the price increase is happening on February 15th. You've talked a little bit about, um, you know, the impact it could have on the coming quarter. Um, what kind of customer behavior could we expect? in
3: the subsequent four quarters with respect to like those customers that maybe have renewed early
2: um, to take advantage of locking in the price and, and then you know would they be looking to convert to cloud within the next four quarters would there be a greater incentive to convert to cloud kind
3: of how do we how do we think about that and and i guess the larger question here uh, really is as we kind of puzzle over um your trajectories here you know we talked a bit about data center and the and the drivers there we talked qualitatively about the drivers in cloud uh, but we're seeing cloud continue to accelerate here. And, you know, just kind of how do we think about that, you know, even if it's qualitative. So uh, that's all. And, and thanks again and congratulations. Yeah. Uh, so uh, thanks for the question. This is Cameron here. So uh, two pieces on this. So uh, every time we do some price changes, obviously customers have the ability to make a choice. Uh, and I was actually just on a call with a executive at a very large pharmaceutical company uh, just this week, largely talking about you know, his options going forward, which is one, you can renew. That's fine. I okay. We'll just that's an option going forward. Renew your data center licenses as we continue to plan for cloud. Uh the second is we can start planning out a few small cloud projects, maybe for some teams, or we can go all in on cloud and, and get it all done with. It all comes down to what's your prioritization and, and what your company's readiness. Um, you know, after a thirty minute conversation, he basically give me the all in on cloud option. Like this is fine, we have a cloud mandate, we need to prioritize the work, let's just get it done now. Um the reality is that's how we but we prefer that optionality for our customers we're not forcing them down any path it's you know what what's going to work for them and their projects and the value that we can deliver um the second big one is you know even if they renew today we have plenty of programs and practices in place that two months from now or four months from now or six months from now if they want to move to cloud we will absolutely make them right from a licensing perspective so by no means do we you know hold them to a 12-month cycles for these decisions you know at any time we're happy to start the migration efforts uh, get them cloud licenses and, and and dip their toe in the cloud. So, um, a lot of this comes down to largely the the customers' appetite to take on the IT project that is a migration. Um, more than anything, for most of our customers, they are you know more than ready to go cloud. Almost all of them have cloud mandates, and it just comes down to timing of budgets, prioritization, and IT projects.
0: Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Pat Ravens with JMP Securities. Your line is open.
2: Thanks so much. It's Joey
3: Marincic. I'm Pat. Appreciate the questions. Um Can you just give us some more color on the percep acquisition and then sort of how you think about M&A uh, going forward? And then separately, um, you know, what are you looking for in your next ETO? Thank you so much.
2: Wait. Squeezing with three questions at the end there. Well done. Um, look, let me take Percept uh, first. Um, fantastic team focused on AI and smarts, in uh, specifically in, a, in a, a service management and customer service uh, uh, manner. Again, AI and smarts is, is relatively domain-specific to make a huge impact at the moment. And so I would see this as a part of our continual uh, improvement in the ITSM space, uh, both uh, organic and inorganic. Uh, to make sure that we have uh, the best uh, set of ITSM tools uh, around, and also an investment in machine learning and smarts, as we keep putting at the core of our platform. Uh, I always say that our customers shouldn't need to know that we care about AI and machine learning and smarts, but we bake it deeply into the platform. And this is about, you know, continuing to improve that in uh, in the area of service management and, and for IT teams and any any service driven enterprise out there. Um, I can pass to Scott on M&A philosophy if that's, uh, why not? Yeah. Sounds great. Um, Mark, like, uh, we're lucky as a company, you know, we have uh, a track record of building new products, we've got a track record of partnering in our ecosystem, which you talked about on McCall, call, and of course, a uh, long track record of successful M&A, um, you know, both really small plugins and, you know, medium sized, uh, you know, companies like, like Trello, which we, we brought as a, with an extension, and so um, I don't see that changing. You know, in, in the future, like um, we continue to, to execute really well on all three. You know, we'll out when we look at which things we want to acquire over time. You know, the number one thing we, we look at is our cultural and mission alignment. So, you know, are they do they help unleash the potential of every team? Like that's got to be the most important thing. Is, you know, do they align with our mission? And then do they fit culturally with uh, atlassian um, and then everything else after that, you know, kind of go-to-market and technology and other things are, are areas we evaluate, but like the first two uh, the most important thing. And, uh, and so there's been no change to our, you know, M&A philosophy over, you know, a, a long decade-long time horizon. We'll continue to look for assets that fit really well uh, alongside Atlassian, um, as well as, you know, kind of small tuck in technology acquisitions that, you know, help us uh, where it'll be quicker to uh, acquire something than build it ourselves.
0: And the next question comes from the line of Derek Wood of Calvin. Sir, your line is open.
3: Great. Uh, thanks, James. Qu- question for you on on operating margins. Um, you guys are targeting, I think, 17 to 18 percent in Q3. That's um, that's down from 26 to 27 percent in the first half. Could, can you just talk about what what's driving that that margin step down? Where you guys are are looking to step up investments and kind of where you see hitting the low water mark and, and margins starting to, to rebound. Thanks.
4: Yeah, sure, Derek. Uh, you know, we very much feel, as though, and we've been saying this for a, a, a while, that there's such a significant opportunity in front of the company across the three markets that we really want to, uh, to push to uh, continue to build on the momentum that we're seeing uh, hiring, uh, bringing, excellent talent in wherever they are around the world i think the team anywhere approach we have is really important in terms of differentiating our ability to attract the best talent obviously in a very competitive field uh, and it's with those additional folks that we'll be able to get after these very significant opportunities uh, that lie right in front of us um, and so we're really enthusiastic about that we're really positive uh, about that opportunity um, and, uh, more, more tactically, you know, if you think about, uh, the fact that we're increasingly becoming a cloud company, um, uh, quarter by quarter, you know, 53% of revenue is now cloud. That'll, of course, have a, an impact on, Uh, on on gross margins. We've talked about that for a number of years uh, as we take on the work of of hosting the services on behalf of our customers. And we're also going to be investing in additional support resources to help our customers make that migration journey very much uh, along the lines of what Cameron was just talking about with the the large customer that he was talking with this week. Uh, So so those will uh, drive some Um, uh, transitory uh, impacts on the gross margin uh, as we ramp up those support resources and do the migrations work. In terms of uh, operating margin, uh, that's where the the, significant bulk of the additional investment would be. Uh, And uh, that, in our business, as you know, really comes down to uh, adding Atlassians. Uh, And so that's why it's really, uh, uh, we describe it in the letter as our top priority. Uh, so that's what we'll be focused on, uh, uh, opportunities uh, across the three markets. Uh, the platform, I think, is a really important accelerant of our business. Uh, you've seen that showing up in our ability to quickly get new products uh, developed. Point A, we've talked about those new products under that program uh, will continue to be important. So yeah, we'll continue to be very focused on the quality of our investing, uh, and the returns that uh, uh, we can generate for our shareholders, and uh, you know I'd be confident that the uh, uh, the health of the financial model uh, for last will be strong.
0: Thank you, and that concludes our question and answer session. I will now turn the call back to Scott. Sir, please go ahead.
2: I just wanted to uh, thank everyone. Uh, for joining the call today. Uh, thank you to our customers and to all the fantastic Alassians out there, past, present, and future. Uh, we appreciate your ongoing support, and we hope that you and your loved ones remain safe and healthy in these times. Uh, lastly, we hope to see some of you in person and for the rest of you to tune in virtually to Team 22 coming up in April. Have a out day. Thank you. This concludes
0: our today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.